Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. talking the fruit of the spirit this morning again and that means we're back in galatians chapter 5 and let's see if we can say these together the fruit of the spirit are love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control i think i mixed up two there if i'm, if I'm not mistaken just checking all right well, Galatians chapter 5, and we are continuing our study of the fruit of the Spirit, and we come to the fruit of joy this morning, the fruit of joy. Well, in my preparation for today's message, I read this interesting article. It was an article about the, the new deep sea discoveries that were made last year. That's one of them on the screen over there. And it's amazing to see all the different sea creatures we have discovered that we have never seen before. In fact, one of the scientists wrote and made a comment that the ocean provides 98% of living space on the earth. We don't know what else lives there. And every year man tries to dive deeper into the ocean because inside of us, there's this interest and desire to want to discover more. And one of the realities of diving so deep is that in the depths of the ocean, things are quiet. They are peaceful. There might be these raging storms going on at the surface, but the deeper you go, the quieter it becomes. Now, same is true when it comes to this next fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. Because deep down in every true believer, God has implanted in us a kind of joy that provides satisfaction and contentment, no matter what the challenges and storms are that you are going through. Because through the Holy Spirit, God gives his children, the kind of joy that is based on divine realities. Because now as we continue our study of the fruit of the Spirit, we recognize that people who have been saved by Jesus look different from the rest of the world. Someone that is walking by the Spirit looks different from someone that is walking by the flesh. And the Spirit-filled life is marked by the fruit of joy. A spirit-filled life is marked by the fruit of joy. Someone that is filled with the Spirit of God can display a kind of joy that the world doesn't understand. The kind of joy that doesn't make sense when so many challenges come your way. Because it's a different joy. 
The world and societies we live in tries to find its joy in material things or earthly things so that eventually, like the author of Ecclesiastes says, you try everything under the sun and deny yourself no pleasure. Solomon tried it all, but eventually he realized that it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless, and that is because there's a kind of joy that is not the shallow joy of the world but a supernatural joy that is rooted in the depths of who God is. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. See, and just like the fruit of love that we looked at last week, the Bible has a lot to say about joy and how important this quality is in the life of a believer. Because even as you look at Israel, you see them rejoicing personally and also together corporately in the Old Testament because of who God is and what He has done. You see, the more people thought about God's justice, they rejoiced. God's steadfast love, they were filled with joy, the Bible says. And thinking about God's faithfulness caused these people to even have these loud shouts for joy. Psalm 33, 1. Shout for joy, O Lord, you righteous. Which means that we know and believe about, what we know and believe about God impacts our joy and our worship, right? And we see that joy is also a very big theme in the New Testament as well. You find that joy is mentioned in the Gospels even before Jesus came to be with us. The angel promises Zechariah there's going to be a son, John the Baptist, who will prepare the way for Jesus. And as a result, there will be Luke 1.14, joy and gladness and rejoicing. But then just a few sentences later, Luke 1.44, you see that even a baby in the womb can have a supernatural expression of joy. Now the word joy... And the original language of the New Testament is the word kara. Kara. She's trying not to smile, my daughter Kara. But kara is joy and it's used over 70 times in the New Testament alone. It means gladness, great happiness and delight. It's this quality of having a deep down happiness and delight in your inner being because of your relationship with God. Like what is joy? It's having a deep down happiness and delight in your inner being because of your relationship with God. See, and the theme of joy is especially prominent in the book of Philippians where God says that sacrificing for the sake of unity in the church is so important because of how it affects our relationship with God and our joy in God. Now as we've been saying, the fruit of the Spirit are fruits that we need to grow in because they are fruit that come from the powerful Holy Spirit that are at work in our lives. Which means we don't grow in this God-given joy simply through our own ability. We can only have this fruit of joy because of the way God works in your life through the Holy Spirit. And so, if we're going to grow 
as people and as a church and having this fruit of joy that the Bible talks about, then we must dive deeper into understanding what the fruit of joy is. And to do that, we need to first see that God is a God of joy. God is a God of joy because joyful fruit comes from a joyful God. Joyful fruit comes from a joyful God. In other words, not only is God love, God is also the very root and source of true joy. And if we're going to understand what this deep-rooted joy is, then it makes sense that we start with God. Because God is a God that finds joy in Himself. God is a God that finds joy in Himself. You see, after Paul exhorts Timothy to pursue these godly virtues that we've mentioned before in 1 Timothy 6, God is then described in verse 15 as the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. And the word blessed means happy. In other words, God is blessed in Himself. He is happy in Himself. Back in 1 Timothy 1.11, we see that true joy exists because Paul says he was entrusted with the gospel of the blessed or happy God. And God is a happy God because the whole trinity between the Father, Son, and Spirit is this perfect, joyful relationship where God finds the light in Himself because of who He is. God is perfect in every way. He is unchanging. He is all-powerful and all-wise. He is glorious and beautiful. And all that perfection and beauty that is found in Himself brings Him joy, which also means God finds joy in Jesus, right? God finds joy in Jesus. Because the Bible says Jesus is the exact representation of God. And we see that the prophet Isaiah wrote that Jesus is the one in whom God's soul delights. Isaiah 42. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. You see, and because the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the, the image of the invisible God, we keep that in mind and we go to Matthew 17 where you see that on the Mount of Transfiguration, you have Jesus there who is busy communing with God the Father. And these other two guys appear there as well. Who are those guys? Moses and Elijah, right? But Peter is also there. And all that Peter wants to do is set up camp because that is the only place where he wants to stay. This is his new happy place. But Peter is not entirely getting the plan of Jesus and what still needs, what he still needs to do through the cross. And as Peter was speaking, this great cloud came and you could hear the voice of God saying what? You remember even from Luke, our study of Luke. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Because everything Jesus did brought joy to the Father. And that is because when God delights in Jesus, He finds the light in Himself. He finds the light and joy in His own perfections as He sees them in Jesus. Why? Because God, the God we worship is a God of joy. 
which means not only does he find joy in the Son, but he also finds joy in the Holy Spirit. See, last week we talked about love, and the Bible says in 1 John 4.16 that God is love. And the love that he shared with, that is shared within the Trinity is a perfect love. It's not a love of pity. It's a love that admires and delights and exalts. It's a joyful love. And so as one theologian says, the Holy Spirit is God's joy in God. He is full of all that the Father and the Son are, a divine person in His own right, but He is the joy of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit is God's joy in God who helps us understand what this godly joy really is. Because as the Thessalonians will know, Paul said that in their time of affliction, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. See, because the Holy Spirit is God and God is joy, and therefore when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive this new kind of deep, admiring, delighting kind of joy that is found in the God of joy. See, but not only does God find joy in in Himself, we see that in the Bible, God finds joy in creation. Everything we sang about this morning. Psalm 104.31 says, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. See, God rejoices in who He is, but also in what He does and what He has made. And when, and even as, as we might still try to discover some of these, these amazing things in the depths of the oceans or maybe in the different jungles in the world out there, God delights in everything He has made. He sees it all. Which makes sense, right? Because as we look at this incredible creation, we see more and more of the majesty and glory of God. We see what brings Him joy. But then you have to think, it means also that because we are created in God's image, guess what? God finds joy in you. God finds joy in you. The Bible explains that we were created to have this eternal happiness in our communion with God. But now because of sin, we chase after stuff like food and clothing, after riches, after the praise of other people thinking that is where we will find joy. Psalm 49 helps us see that the temporary happiness we gain for ourselves is so deceptive. It's so deceptive. Psalm 49, 18, For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never again see light. Man is... In his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beast that perish. See, another challenge many people face is that some of us still struggle and think that God can't actually find joy in you because of all the sin that is in you. How can God find joy in me when I am so burdened with sin? 
When I struggle to get through one day without failing Him in some way. Doing what displeases Him. When I keep doing that same sinful stuff over and over and over again. But you know what? The God of joy finds joy in showing us mercy. And God can delight in you because you are united to His Son and indwelled by His joyful Spirit. And God takes great joy in showing grace and mercy to people who deserve His wrath and justice. Isn't that why Luke wrote and said, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Luke 15.10 Because what God sees in you that brings Him the joy, like the joy that He finds in Himself, is the fact that He sees Jesus in you when you trust in Him for salvation. Those who humble themselves before the Lord. Psalm 149, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in His Maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their King. Let them praise His name with dancing, making melody to Him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. God takes pleasure in seeing you saved. Because God takes pleasure in seeing you become more like Jesus. And perhaps you might think that He's angry at you. Or that He's trying to make your life hard. And that all makes you miserable. But the truth that really gives us true joy is knowing that even though I still fail every day, God takes pleasure in His people and He takes great pleasure in making them more like His Son because He finds great joy in rescuing them from their sin. In delivering them. That's why in Zephaniah 3 we see that when the people of God are saved, His eternal joy covers His people. The prophet says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Try and picture this. God singing over you and delighting in you. There's this picture with this loud singing because of what He will do in saving you. And so as we think about joy, we must think about the the root of our joy, the God of joy. And if we're going to grow in having this deep joy, then we need to understand next what tries to take away that joy. What tries to take away our joy? And we know there are many, many things that happen in our lives that take away the joy we have. I mean, there's many aspects we could talk about and mention here that try and rob us of our joy. But I want to point out just four for us this morning. Think about them as the four F's. The four F's. They are false expectations, foolishness, forgetfulness, and faithlessness. 
false expectations, foolishness, forgetfulness, and faithlessness. So let me explain false expectations. So one of the ways our, our joy tank gets emptied is when we think we deserve better than what we're getting. We think we deserve better than what we're getting. People get upset and angry at God or disappointed in God because they have a different expectation of His love. I mean, why would God allow this to happen? Why would He allow the people that I love to suffer so much? See, one of the things you're doing as you ask questions like these or think along these lines is that you want God's love to be what you want it to be. You remember what we said last week about love. We come up with our own ideas of what love is. But if we ignore all those passages in the Bible that promise us persecution and suffering and only focus on the promises of blessing, we lose sight of God's promise to discipline us, to build our character and actually increase our Christ-likeness through suffering. You see, Peter also had the wrong expectations on the Mount of Transfiguration, and that affected his joy. Because Jesus had been saying that he must suffer first by going to the cross. And the same can be true of you and what you expect from others, even what you expect from the church. I mean, how many people are disappointed or become less joyful because of their expectations not being met by the church. You think it's this place where everything is just wonderful and great, where everyone loves each other and serves one another without any issues, but then you quickly realize we actually still sin against each other. That relationships get complicated. As a result, people start to move into a life of isolation. And instead of growing in joy, they grow in loneliness and a life where they are constantly dwelling on what isn't true. But then we move on to the next F, which is foolishness. Foolishness. Proverbs 15, 20 and 21 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. See, here we see that someone that is wise actually increases the joy of others. But that means the opposite is also true. Foolishness and sin not only grieves us, but it grieves those affected by our foolishness. In Romans 1, Paul explains what happens when you think you are wise because of rejecting God as the king of your life. You actually become foolish, he says, Romans 1, 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And when there is foolishness, idolatry is usually not far behind. Because Paul goes on to say in the next verse, verse 22, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So think of your life. When people touch your idols, you can respond in a way that clearly shows that it affects your joy. 
When you think of a child who doesn't get what he wants, what is it that you usually see? He shows it to you through his expression, right? This thick lip that's quivering. Eyes starting to water because they're not getting what they want. And this happens because people are looking for joy in the wrong places. People are looking for joy in the long, wrong places because the next F is forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. What drains our joy? False expectations, foolishness, and now forgetfulness. It's when we forget how good we have it in Christ and who we are in Christ that we end up moping around and even get depressed. I mean, Israel, they show us how often they forgot what God had done for them. That's why the prophet Jeremiah had to remind God's people of who he was. Jeremiah 9.23 Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. See, we, we so quickly get discouraged when we forget who God is and what He has done for us. When we think we must please Him somehow through our own efforts, like the people in Galatia, the churches in Galatia. That's why the psalmist says, Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What benefits? Verse 3, Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You see, some of us think that it's more spiritual to go around and think that we are supposed to be like worms. We are these worms, sinful, struggling, nothing before God. But you know what? Worms can also rejoice. Worms can also find joy if they look at their sin and see how serious it is and then look at a holy God and remember who is the one who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. The God that picks you up and carries you because He finds joy in you through what Christ has done. That makes you royalty by crowning you with His steadfast love and mercy and gives you a joy that satisfies you because of how renewed you are in Christ. And so we minimize our joy and we drain our joy when we forget the joy we have in knowing that Christ has paid the ultimate price for my sin. And now God sees me as His child who needs to grow up. Who needs to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And become someone who is wise and not so forgetful. Because then it really comes down to what we believe, right? Your joy is linked to what you believe 
And that is why the final F I want to mention that can drain your joy is faithlessness. A lack of faith. In Philippians 3.1, Paul said, Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And Peter understood what this meant in a context where the faith of God's people were being tested. Where Christians were being persecuted for their faith. And Peter says that the answer to finding true joy, even during great persecution, is finding that joy in what you truly believe. 1 Peter 1.8 Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, faithlessness is when you want to turn your back on God when life gets tough. When you just want to complain about what is going wrong. When you haven't been transformed by the gospel that captivates your heart by what God has done for you in Christ. When you want to give up because you don't see how it can be possible to have joy when life is so hard. When living for Jesus becomes too hard. Rather, Peter says, true faith in God brings joy that is so hard to explain. As you look at the progression here, in that moment of suffering, you don't see God, but faith says you still love Him. You don't see Him now, but you believe in Him. And that results in a rejoicing that is inexpressible. You can't get words for it, because it's a joy that is filled with glory. Because it's a joy in knowing that no matter what suffering you're going through right now, You are secure in the love of your Creator. You are secure in the love of your Savior. You are secure in the love of your Sanctifier. Because the outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul. Deep down, quiet, peaceful joy that cannot be described in words because in this great storm that you might be in right now, you need to be going down below where it's quiet. Where your soul does have peace. Knowing that God has saved you and loves you. Or even taking the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 7.4, saying, in all our affliction, you go read that long list of afflictions, in all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. And so we recognize that the suffering of this world grows our faith and grows our joy because God is at work in our lives through His Spirit. So many times we must dig deep into the gospel because true joy is found in knowing and believing and trusting that God loves me even when I mess up. Even when I go through trials of of every kind. Even when the life of faith seems to be too hard. And part of how we grow in this joy is having a long-term view of joy. A long-term view of joy. First, grow in joy by looking at the God of joy. Second, we also grow in joy when we know what tries to take away our joy. But now finally, we can grow in this deep, 
steady, quiet joy when we have a long-term view of joy. See, one of the best lessons I think we can learn in this life is what it means to deny yourself in the present so that you can have a greater joy in the future. In other words, it's when we become so fixated on wanting everything to be comfortable and good and right right now that we miss out and not appreciate the greater joy that is coming later. I I couldn't help but think about simple examples like when I spend money and when I spend money on getting McDonald's when I'm very hungry in that moment. To rather save that money and then a few weeks or months I can go to like this five-star steakhouse or maybe you can even get a chef and guest experience from Philip. But you know what? God knows exactly what this is like. He knows all about having a long-term view of joy. Because if we look at God's bigger plan through Jesus, we see that God also had a long-range view that led to greater joy. Because even when God made everything perfect in the beginning... He knew that we would mess that up. But God found joy in sending Jesus to come and save us. To send Jesus to fix our relationship with Him. So Isaiah 53.10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush Him. It was the joy of the Lord to crush Him. And you're like, but does not, does the pain of the Father not make sense when Jesus is suffering? How do we understand that? Of course it pains the Father. But there was a greater joy beyond the pain of Calvary. So that He could redeem for Himself a people from every tribe and tongue that can have access to this full godly joy. Because Psalm 16, 11 says, In your presence... There is fullness of joy. And Jesus gives us access to the presence of God. Because Jesus had a long-term view of joy. He saw the long trajectory of joy. Because Jesus didn't find joy in His circumstances. He found joy in God and doing the will of God. In other words... It gave the man of sorrows real joy to do the will of his father. Because he came into this world to save sinners like us. He laid down his life for us, but he did it joyfully. He laid down his life so that we can know what gospel-rooted joy is. Because he saw the longer trajectory of joy, even though there were all those beatings. All that mockery. People spitting on him. People breaking his legs. People hammering him to a piece of wood. In that moment he experiences this intense reality of isolation and abandonment. Taking the wrath of God on himself. The wrath for every sinful pleasure that you think brought you joy. Which is like the worst moment in history ever. Yet what does the author of Hebrews say? Hebrews 12. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. For the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
Jesus had a long-term view of joy because he knew that he was enduring what he was enduring on the cross would mean that people like you and me can be rescued from a life of sin. Because for Jesus, the joy that comes from seeing you declared righteous and becoming more like him made all the suffering worth it. Knowing that he was doing what God the Father wanted him to do made everything worth it. Because Jesus didn't have a shallow joy of delighting in earthly things. He had eternal joy because of eternal things. And in that moment when Jesus rose from the dead, he secured for us the kind of gospel joy that we need every single day, that we have access to every single day. Because now that He is exalted and seated at the right hand of God, nothing can take Jesus away from us, and nothing can take us away from Jesus. Because when you're alive and you're growing in the joy of the Holy Spirit, there is gospel joy growing in you because you have a long-term view of joy that is secure in Jesus Christ. In other words, because Jesus is alive, you and I who have put our trust completely in Him can have the same long-term view of joy even when we are suffering right now. That's why Jesus said to the disciples in John fifteen eleven. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. When we realize how secure we are in Jesus, and how forgiven we are in Jesus, and how His joy is planted deep down inside of us, that we also find joy in doing the will of God. Then we also come to know what this full joy is when we seek to do the will of the Father, no matter what the cost. When we are not just seeking to find joy in the pleasures of the world, but in the treasure of God. Makes me think of Matthew 13 where we see this, what this kind of joy does. Jesus said in Matthew 13:44, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. When you have found the treasure of the kingdom, the treasure of the gospel, then with joy you are willing to let go of everything you have. Joy causes you to do whatever you can to make that gospel joy yours. And so the fruit of joy is seen when someone knows what treasure they have in Jesus Christ. But let me ask you right now, do you know this kind of joy? Do you know the peace and quiet that is found deep down in the truth of the gospel, even when your life is hard? Can other people see that joy in you? Have you seen others find joy in God when it doesn't make sense? 
to have access to this joy and to grow in this joy, you need salvation. But you also need the right theology because of salvation. Because if you think joy is always having to be this bubbly person, then that is not what we are talking about here when we're talking about joy. True gospel joy doesn't mean you are pretending that everything is just fine in your life. We see how many people in the Bible were going through some real times of grief and despair and suffering. But they show us as they lament that even in those moments of despair, we can find joy in the gospel. Even as God gives us words of praise, He also gives us words of crying out to Him. Because a wrong theology of joy would think that you just need to have this this positive mindset. You just need to be a positive person when you have some sort of physical disease. Then it will make all those issues go away. God wants us to draw near to Him in our suffering and share with Him our griefs. Because that is when we can find a peaceful joy in knowing that He wants to carry our burdens. Being reminded of how much Jesus has already suffered for you. And that He knows what is best for us. Because shallow faith leads to shallow joy. Or another way you can say this, a shallow prayer life leads to shallow joy. A shallow prayer life leads to shallow joy. Because as we have already said, it's when we are in the presence of God that we experience the fullness of joy. And so even consider your prayer life. Consider how you spend time in God's Word. All that beautiful stuff Anna was saying in the beginning about Psalm 19. The, The Word of God rejoices the soul. However, we also recognize that God is so wise and He's so in control that He might even let you waste your earthly treasures before you see your need to only find your true joy and treasure in Him. Think of the prodigal son who wanted instant gratification instead of seeing the longer view of greater joy that comes from God. And the amazing thing is that even if we have wasted what God has given us, He welcomes us back into His loving arms. Because we serve the God of joy, who finds joy in showing us mercy. Do you know this God? Has He transformed your life? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are such a glorious, glorious God that that finds joy in all your perfections and who you are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect unity, perfect love, perfect majesty. And so Father, we are reminded again today, you do not need us. Yet you made us. You made us in your likeness. And you find joy in us. And so, Father, we want to live lives that bring joy to You. We want to grow in the the fruit of the Spirit, the joyful Holy Spirit. 
that even when trouble comes our way, we recognize that you are in control. That we are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we need to have a longer view of this joy, that we don't try to just fix our immediate issues. But even as we've been singing today, we long to be in the house of Zion, where our hearts will be full with the joy and the glory of the joy of God. But Father, help us. Help us to recognize the areas in our lives that that try to hinder us from being joyful. Help us to turn from the foolish ways we, we live that rob our joy and influence the joy of others. Help us to not forget how good we have it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us not to forget how good we have it in the Lord Jesus Christ even in the, in, in the midst of that and that pain and that suffering. And so, Father, we pray that you would grow our faith. The kind of faith that has this joy that is inexpressible. It doesn't make sense to this world. The kind of joy that people look at and think, wow, what's going on there? That must be because of Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that you would extend your glory to the ends of the earth through your joyful people. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.